You're listening to St. Pius X Catholic Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. Thank you for joining us. I am in an unusually good mood this weekend. Kind of started last night, and I don't know why I thought you needed to know that, but I just thought I'd tell you. It's a really good mood. And maybe it's because, think about it, there's a, a sense of contentment, at least for a moment, uh, about where I am. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Contentment. What does that mean for us as Christians? And to kind of dovetail that with humility, because our readings are all about humility this weekend, and we've been talking about humility as a background virtue for some weeks. And just to maybe brush up a little bit on what we've spoken about is that there are three essential elements to humility, and total humility is hard to define, but I thought these three elements were wonderful ways to start. And that is, first, we recognize that we are not God, that we're not God, that there's someone else outside of ourselves who's more powerful and can help us, and he's the one who shows us what is truly good. We can't trust ourselves. Secondly, that we ourselves are sinners. Sometimes we don't follow the instructions that God gives to us. We fall. And that's part of our fallen nature, which we've also spoken about before, about what that means. And then third, that we're helpless. That if we want to get as Christians to where we want to be, that would be heaven, and to have eternal life, we can't do that without God. We are helpless to get, us, get ourselves out of our fallen nature into a place that we hear described in our second reading today, huh? The beautiful thought of what heaven looks like. And so we need God to give us a hand in order to bring us where we want to be. And, you know, humankind forever has been seeking eternal life, both before Christ and after Christ. And no matter how powerful someone might be in the world, no matter how much money they might have, everybody, at least to this time, except for Jesus, has not only faced death, but died. And our hope is that we will rise again and God will give us that beautiful gift at the time of the resurrection. And so we think of our mission as Christians is that hope of eternal life and that a disposing element is humility. And then we look at our first reading today saying to conduct our affairs with humility. And then it says, humble yourself the more, the greater you are, and you will find favor with God. And then it says, what is too, sub, too sublime for you to seek, seek not. Sublime meaning too great. As a, not a perfect uh, synonym, but what is beyond you, don't seek. And into things beyond your strength, search not. And in our society today, I think it's important to, to note that as we live in this competitive arena, Sometimes we can let that competition take over our mission for eternal life. And we have to be very, very careful about that. In other words, we're always related to God and he is who he is and we are who we are. We need his mercy, the forgiveness of our sins and we need him to help us. And that's the disposition, the background. And if we have that, 
then we can move into the virtue of contentment, of being content with the lives that God has given to us. And it's an ancient Christian virtue. And so we have to think about what does virtue mean? We're gonna call it a virtue, what does it mean? And we have two kinds of virtue. We have human virtue, and then we have or natural virtue or cardinal virtues, and then we have supernatural virtues. This would be a human virtue, and St. Paul talks about it in Philippians, where he says, I have learned how to be content with much and with little. And so we have to learn how to be content, and that's part of our formation in the natural virtues. And so the natural virtues try to find that balance that they call the golden mean. And so if we think of the four cardinal virtues, you know, prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude. Uh, let's take fortitude as an example. One virtue that comes under fortitude is courage. And so we would all agree that courage is a good thing. However, we wanna make sure that we, on one side, don't become reckless, right? Someone who's courageous might be reckless, or that we become a coward, that we don't stand up when we should. There's a balance of judgment that we have to make that judgment would be prudence, another virtue. And so we know about these things, maybe we don't always uh, live them or consciously think of them, uh, but we also teach our children them. If you think of Goldilocks and the Three Bears, you know, all these old children's stories always had a, a, a lesson. And so in Goldilocks, it's virtue, right? And you think this porridge is too hot, this porridge is too cold, this porridge is just right. And then this bed is too hard, this bed is too soft, this bed is just right. And so when we think of being content in the virtue of it, we have to say, okay, how are we content in our Christian vocation? How are we content with where God has placed us and the circumstances in which we live? And like I said, in a competitive society, we can tend to run off on our own and be sought on the goals that the society teaches us, not what God teaches us. And that's dangerous. Last weekend, we had what I call the scariest words in sacred scripture. I do not know who you are, or I don't know where you're from, meaning the same thing. And the person to whom Jesus was speaking about was knocking on, on the door to go in, and behind the door, you know, I don't know where you're from. And the response was, but wait, we ate with you. You taught us in the streets. So, I don't know where you're from. And using the lifeguard analogy that we've used for the past few months, it goes to what we talked about last week. We think that as we settle into the rest of the lifeguard, we get off the raft, we let him bring us in, we get over our fear, we trust him, we have the understanding that we need him, and then we rest in his arms, but then we can think that hey, I can do this on my own and we swim away. And the question then becomes, okay, what are we swimming away towards? What are we swimming away towards? And oftentimes that can be the world, the world. And the things that the world teaches us are good, not what Christ teaches us are good. And so the old Christian virtue of contentment is learning how to be happy where we are and with who we are. And in today's world, the philosophies of self-actualization, you know, we create ourselves, we identify ourselves with who we wanna be, not who we are. 
creates discontentment. And we can oftentimes think of this world of ours that tells us always go after the next thing in a worldly sense. When in reality, that never ends. In other words, you never come to a sense of peace because there's always the next thing. And we never actually get to that. But whereas if we can rest with Christ and let him bring us to the shore, come what may, then we can be content with our lives and be at peace. So contentment is a fruit of humility. In other words, if we truly understand ourselves and the mission that God has for us, then we are able to have a life here that is happy in the sense of being in right relationship with God. And our gospel reading today speaks of that because sometimes we confuse humility with say meekness, putting ourselves aside almost to the point of say a false humility. But really what it comes down to is the truly humble understand and are in right relationship with God, seeing him for who he is and actually seeing ourselves the way God sees us. And that's a good thing. And so we think of the wedding feast in our gospel reading where you go in and you should sit at the proper place um, and err on the side of giving yourself too much credit. Go ahead and sit at the last spot so that maybe you can be told by an objective source, you know, where you are. But we hopefully are able to see that right relationship with God and we remain in the lifeguard's arms, Jesus' arms, as he brings us to shore. And so as we think of this dynamic, uh, I've told you uh, this before, it's something that uh, I always go back to because priests can struggle with that. And so when I was going into the seminary, you know, I have a friend of mine who's also a lawyer, I've known him for 35 years, know his kids, we've seen each other grow up, so to speak. And when I went in the seminary, a lot of my friends didn't understand leaving the practice of law and doing that. And so I was trying to explain to him and they suggested that I could make more money and get married and be happier if I was a Protestant preacher. And I said, well, you know, that's not exactly what God is asking. Catholics are a little different that way. Uh, and he's Methodist. And so we had a lot of discussions about it and his brother-in-law is a Methodist minister. And so he's just said, I'm struggling with what you're saying about being called to something. I don't know what that means. So we had a lot of discussions about that very thing. Well, one time when we were visiting, he told me that the light bulb had come on a little bit. He said, you know, Diamond Jim, my nickname back in the day, you know, Diamond Jim, I've been studying on this call thing. You know, my brother-in-law was called to be a Methodist minister. You're called to be a priest. I know families in our church who have been called to be missionaries in South America. He said, and I still don't understand it. But what I have figured out, at least on our end, is that no Methodist minister is ever called to a smaller church that pays less. And so he laughed. He meant that to be a compliment because I explained to him what being coming a priest meant. But you know, I had a little nervous laugh inside because I'm thinking, okay, you say that about your church. I'm not gonna say anything about it. But how many priests really sit back and say, you know, God is asking me to take a tough parish. I mean, I'm blessed. I'm here at St. Pius. I've got everything. You know, a very, you know, wonderful parish, wonderful people. We have resources where we can do stuff. But what priest ever 
tells me in our discussions, you know, I really feel like I'm called to this dis difficult parish that maybe is having trouble and struggles and it's going to be a lot of work to try to help the people of God get, get to where they meet, need to be. That's where I want to go. No, we usually hear about that and, and extrapolating it out. It's the next job. It's the next whatever it is that the world would say to have. And we have to be careful of that because it might not be what God wants of us. And it's a tough discernment. It's not an easy thing. It's a virtue, right? We're trying to find the golden mean. Sometimes those things are good things that we can work with. But we need to be vigilant about it. And that's why we have to stay in the lifeguard's arms. Because if we're in relationship with him, then we can be led. Then we can be guided. Then we can be content. Then we can be at rest. And if we are always looking for the next thing, if we're always looking for the next thing, what happens for us in the Christian life is that maybe we're missing the lesson that God wants to teach us right where we are. God is always in relationship with us and always bringing us to the shore, to the promised land. And so if we move away from him, then we're not learning what we need to learn where we are. And in that way, we're moving away from Christ, even if objectively, these things aren't bad. Maybe it's not sinful, but it's not our mission in Christ. And that's where we have to stay focused is what is our mission in Christ? What is our role in his plan of salvation? And how do we let him lead and guide us? And in that role, in that mission, everybody has the same dignity. Everybody has the same dignity. Everybody is dignified in Christ and has an importance in their mission in order to move forward for hopefully the salvation of the world, participating in Jesus' mission. And in that we can be content and we can be happy and we can know that even if the world doesn't necessarily respect what we do as much, God does. And our contentment and being truly happy in Christ is something that does resonate. People notice when others are comfortable in their own skin, regardless of what's going on in their lives. We do. It's just speaking with somebody, you can tell, man, that person is really good in where they are and what they're doing. I wish I had that peace. I wish I had that peace. How many times have I maybe thought that after I've met somebody, a wonderful witness in our congregation, and I'm thinking, wow, I'm not there yet, but I hope to get there soon. And so next weekend is Labor Day. Uh, we'll talk about labor next weekend. I know a lot of you guys will be traveling, but I think a wonderful reflection for us to make sure that we're vigilant about that virtue of contentment uh, is the thought of a homily that I heard, I guess it was 10 or 15 years ago. So it stuck with me to this day. I was in Memphis visiting a friend for Labor Day. And so I was there and we con-celebrated a mass with another priest in his parish and the priest gave a homily on labor. And he mentioned his aunt. And this goes way back, so it's 15 years ago, his aunt was older, and this is back when the school year was actually the school year. You, you ended it on Memorial Day, you began it on Labor Day. And so she lived in the Northeast, and she was a teacher. And so she would have off for the summer. And during the summer, what she would do is she would go to the New Jersey beach, the resort areas, and she would work as a maid housekeeper. And that's, that was her routine. She'd work during the school year and then she'd go and she would 
work as a maid. And someone asked her this question, you know, you're educated, you're a wonderful teacher, it's such a noble profession, you do such a wonderful job, and then during the summer, you go and you're a maid or a housekeeper. And it's kind of meant to say, you know, why are you doing this subservient work when you could be doing other things, maybe reading or becoming a better teacher? And the response that the aunt gave to that person was, there is no such thing as a bad job, only a job badly done. In our discipleship, God has given us jobs. We have our primary vocations, husband, wife, mother, father, deacon, priest, whatever it may be, single person. You know, and it's a job that he has given us that may be somewhat menial in the task, it may be somewhat lofty in the task. All important, all dignified, all redeemed. And so the question becomes, are we content with what God has in store for us with the thought that eternal life lies behind the door. It's, an easy, it's easier to say that reflection than it is to do it, but it's something that we have to remain vigilant about, particularly, as I said, in our society that is competitive and is always looking at the next step. For us, it needs to be, what's the next step of goodness and holiness, and that is rooted in where Christ is taking us, and that has to be first. We have to allow ourselves not to be knocked off the path or knocked out of the arms of the lifeguard in order to make sure that we're moving in the right direction. I also wanted to mention, this is kind of turning the page a good bit. Uh, after Labor Day, uh, there will be a few changes in our church procedures on security. I've written an article about it in the bulletin. You're happy to, to read it. I just didn't want anybody caught off guard. Uh, we've always had security in the church to some extent. Don't always advertise it. Uh, you don't want to give someone a blueprint for how to avoid it. So we've always had a sense of security. We want to make sure it's good. And with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, I'm more concerned about disturbances. Um, and other bigger churches in the area have adopted a couple of very simple things. You won't notice most of the little things we've done, uh, but there are two things that um, you may notice. Um, uh, the first is that um, we will have um, an armed or uniformed police officer here and they will act as a deterrent and it will be just like Christmas or Easter that's what we do then anyway and so they will be here and um, and they will be in the gathering area generally speaking and so we'll do that each Sunday that's what Cathedral and, uh, and Fatima have already implemented we looked at it a couple of years ago and decided no at the time uh, but the parish council uh, and I met and decided it would be better to do that and then with the things that happened uh, over the summer um, at schools, we thought that a single point of entry would be good after mass begins. And so you guys are more affected and you guys are more affected. Uh, but once mass begins, what we're going to do is lock the doors to the transepts in your, our childcare area. Yes, you can get out. Don't worry. We're not going to lock you in just fine. Uh, the fire marshal wouldn't let me do that. Uh, but we will have them locked so that you can't enter from the exterior. We'll put a little sign asking people to go to enter in the gathering area. Uh, and so we will do that shortly after. And I guess I say, we, the nice way to say it is it'll be locked after mass begins. Uh, the more direct way of saying it is if you don't want to worry about it, 
don't be late. Just be on time, you'll be fine. You know? And then of course, exits are, are all the same. And so we're doing this kind of as a, a proactive uh, thing. And so just be aware, we'll be putting signs up so people know uh, where to go. And it's no problem if we do come in and we wanna sit in the transepts to come in and go down the side aisles and go over uh, and to be seated. Uh, I wanna make sure that we are provided uh, both a safe and um, a, both a safe place and a place where we can focus on our worship and not worry about the world. That's what the church is about. Uh, and in that way we're able to develop that relationship to be vigilant about our contentment and our relationship in Christ. But I just wanted you all to know so you're not surprised and hopefully we'll be able to continue uh, to move forward uh, after Labor Day uh, with our series on discipleship. Uh, but for those of you who are traveling, know of my prayers for your safe journey and return and certainly pray for us here uh, as you travel.